my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Hill podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, Love Addiction Coach and Trauma Specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I am sending you so much love, as always, today. Happy summer. At the time I'm recording this, it is June. So... If you are listening to this in June, I hope that you are having a beautiful summer day wherever you are and that you are finding fun and joy and community and love in the people around you and in the environments that you're in. These days, I'm really, really trying to be intentional about my about my gratitude and being present in the moment and and really trying to take in and feel everything that's around me which can be really hard. It can be really hard when your body has been attuned to trauma for a big part of your life, you know? And even as you continue to do your body work and learn how to be grounded, there's different levels of learning how to take in goodness and pleasure and all of that. And so that is what today's episode is going to be about. We're going to be talking about retraining your body for good. I'm going to share three tips for you to get started or to encourage you to keep going if you've already started. These are going to be hopefully things that are a little bit bite-sized and not too in-depth for you to feel like it's something that you can actually grasp and something that you can actually do. So today's episode might be a short one, but you know, every time I think that an episode is going to be short, that girl ends up being like 56 minutes. So (laughs) let's see (laughs) if this is going to be a bite-sized episode or if we are going to make it richer and deeper and like really get into it. So, so yeah, let's go ahead and jump on in. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. So I'm going to say a little bit more about retraining our bodies for good, or maybe training our bodies for the first time for good. So again, when you have long-term trauma, also known as complex PTSD, your body has had so many incidents of trauma to where it has stayed in fight or flight mode and it's just stuck on or it's stuck off. Now, when we talk about complex PTSD and trauma, a lot of times, especially if you grow up in what you may consider or other people consider a good home, you know, and you can't see my air quotes, but a good home. So, you know, you have parents or caregivers who are loving you can't really connect to having a lot of financial trauma, maybe, or maybe just the way that when you look back, you compare your household to other people's households and you're like compared to them and compared to what it could have been, 
my family was great. You know, not nobody's perfect, but I had a really good household. And so when you hear words like complex PTSD and and long-term trauma, while you're looking for answers for why you feel the way that you feel, it's very easy to discount that because you're like, well, that doesn't apply to me because that doesn't count as trauma. And the core trauma that I've seen in 100% of the women and men and non-binary folks that I have worked with over the last, God, is it, oh my God, it's almost 15 years now? Lord, (laughs) time flies. And I'm so grateful that this is what I get to do to help people find answers to this. But what, what I've found over the last almost 14, 15 years of working with people and helping them heal trauma is that the common trauma that everybody has is childhood emotional neglect. And the childhood emotional neglect may vary in the levels and in the obviousness of it, but is present in every single person. So childhood emotional neglect is not about the things that did happen to you, it's about the things that didn't. So some more obvious forms of abuse are things like physical abuse, you know, spankings, beatings, sexual trauma, abandonment, malnourishment, you know, things like that. What emotional neglect does is emotional neglect completely discounts your need for emotional care, nourishment, protection, soothing, and affirmation and validation just for being you. What childhood emotional neglect can look like is you're in a household where you're attended to, but only when you're doing things that they want you to do, or only when they have time for you, or only when they need something from you, whether or not it's something physical, whether or not it's financial, whether or not it's they want you to listen and be in the middle of things, whether or not they're using you as a prop to show off to other people about how good of a father or mother that they are. But you as an individual and them seeing you as someone who deserves to be loved and attended to at all times. And sometimes it's not because they are intentionally trying to be neglectful, but maybe they are working many jobs. Maybe they come from a family where they weren't loved and attended to as well. So they're a little bit harsh and they don't really, they're not really a hugging person or they're not really one who uses their words, but you know that they love you. You know, like those types of words and stories are what you grow up with. And so you learn to try to push down those feelings, push down those knees, try to learn how to go without. Sometimes people are resentful of having to do that. Sometimes people learn how to live in that little compartmentalized box very easily and very well, uh, or at least they master it is what I should say. Not that that is easy because having to disown your feelings and having to disown your needs is a tragedy. And it is so, so hard as an adult, one, learning how to identify those needs that you've spent your whole life disowning and minimizing and repressing and acting like you don't need them. Then two, learning how to say that you want them. So one, you have to identify them. Well, actually, step zero is identify this, that this is a problem because many people have learned how to survive by trying to be as emotionless or logical or apathetic as they can, trying to not have expectations of people and things. And you only get so far in life before that gets old and that gets lonely and you don't ever feel settled and you don't ever feel full and you don't ever feel safe enough. You know, repressing your feelings doesn't actually make you feel safe. <laughs> if anything, you live your life more on guard because what you don't realize is all of your repression of emotions actually doesn't make those emotions go away. They're still there. 
and they're just coming out sideways or coming out in your overreaction or your underreaction to relationships is coming out in your sickness and little literal physical sickness is coming out in anxiety and panic attacks is coming out in addictions like your need for emotions and care and soothing has never ever ever gone away no matter how much you've tried to distract yourself or create a life outside of that so first step is actually is there a problem here <laughs> like may, maybe there is a problem second step is learning how to identify those emotions third step is deciding that after you've identified them that you actually want to do this work you know committing to that is really a big step and i always affirm you know my students and clients when they come into this work and you know, they may think or y'all may think for those of y'all who are listening that I'm just like giving like a general welcome message. And I'm like, you've made such a great choice and I'm so proud of you. And you made a brave step. And like, it might be very easy for you to discount, but you going into this place that is not a place that you can control, you know, it's not a place that you, there's a roadmap and you are actively choosing and opening yourself up to potentially address things and learn things about yourself and about people that might be painful. And you know that, but you've made that decision and you've made that decision for yourself and that deserves to be celebrated, right? So then what did I say? The third step is you deciding that this is something that you actually want to do. And then the fourth step is actually learning how to embrace those emotions. And then step five is learning how to receive, which is where we're at today in today's episode, is learning how to receive this goodness. So to bring it all together, if I've gone through my whole life either being taught directly or taught by people not ever attending to my own emotional needs and care, then it is really hard for me to be present in my body and present in my emotions. I will spend probably a good majority of my life in order to remain functional to either learn how to discount my emotions or to overindulge in things to try to self-soothe again, whether or not it is addictions or an addictions to things that may actually be good things, whether or not it is exercise or sex or shopping or, you know, escapism, you know, there's nothing wrong with a trip to Bali. I know I use that example (laughs) a lot, but there's nothing wrong with these things, building your businesses and all that, all that other stuff. But if you're doing that because you're running, you're running from something within yourself and you're, you're hoping that if you get enough of fill in the blank, that you'll feel okay. What you'll find is that you'll continue to reach these milestones and reach these places. And that cup is never full. There's that level that you're hoping it to raise to. It doesn't ever get there. And that's because that ache starts within you. You know, whenever I used to teach about childhood emotional neglect, I would literally title the presentation, What's That Ache? <laughs> and, and looking at where does this ache come from and why is it there and what can we do about it? So today's episode is going to be assuming that we've already established that ache. We have already identified where the ache comes from. And we are trying to make active decisions in our life that helps us build a different path. So I've looked at my life. I've already processed, you know, this is where some sadness is. This is where some resentment is. This is where some anxiety is. And I'm feeling all the feelings. And now I was told that if I start to feel my feelings, I'll actually start to feel good things too. 
and I am feeling all these negative ones and I'm waiting for the good ones to come in or maybe I'm getting some glimpses of it, but I, I want more. Like I'm, I'm ready for me to feel this more often. And here's the thing. You have spent decades of your life learning how to really focus your life on avoiding these negative feelings, right? And the way that you learn how to avoid the negative feelings, whether or not, again, it does look very pretty to other people, looks very high functioning through like career and, and degrees and keeping busy and having lots of friends or whatever it is that you've done, you've still created that life either consciously or subconsciously to avoid these bad feelings. So the focus has still been on them. That's a habit. And so what you're going to have to retrain yourself to do is how to learn how to focus on the good things and let your focus on the good things be the thing that grows, you know, kind of like, and I may have given this example before, but kind of like if you were working on trusting other people and you are so focused on red flags and, you know, you you can't trust everybody. And so I'm going to be super skeptical of, of everyone who comes into my circle before I'm even open to learning how to trust them or let them in. Like they're going to have to go through a long-term probation period before I even consider letting them in. What you're focusing on and what your mindset is on is deception and it's on manipulation and it's looking for that. And our minds are really powerful things in that they help create the reality that we're looking for. Whatever you're looking for, you're going to find. And that is not discounting the wisdom of, of being discerning with the people who are around you and not completely letting, you know, a lion or a, a snake into your garden and not being completely oblivious saying, well, I don't want to focus on the negative. So let me just let in this predator. No, you can do both. You can be very aware of what is deception and what is bad and what is the pattern of the type of people that you have led into your life while also simultaneously saying, but I am going to choose to where I'm not going to let these predators and these people who have hurt me before dictate the rest of my future, right? Like they got me once, they got me, they got me before, and they're not going to get me going forward. They are a non-factor in my life and they are not going to rob me and stop me from claiming the joy, the friendship, the intimacy, the pleasure, and the love that I deserve with people who deserve me and the people who, who are treating me and who are available to me right now. I'm not going to lose any more time. I'm not going to lose any more moments. I'm not going to lose any more of my sanity focused on what could have should have been, which is actually going to be one of our first points. So in order for us to retrain ourselves for good, actually, the better way to say that is probably training ourselves for the first time to focus on letting in good things, letting in pleasure, learning how to not expect the worst. So let me go ahead and jump in because I'm kind of starting to bring the points that I have written down out. The first way that I will encourage y'all that if you've already processed some of your pain, and you're looking to get more settled in good things in your life and in the good moments and not waiting for the other shoe to drop and not waiting for the betrayal and not not being able to experience the blessings and the abundance that are around you right now because you're so worried about the fear. The first thing that I'm going to suggest for you to do is to be mindful. I'm not going to say stop because we all, all do this, but be mindful of replaying your past mistakes over and over 
and also replaying what could have, should have been. So be mindful of replaying that and ruminating that in your mind because the reason why we do that is we are trying to self-soothe ourselves. We're trying to make sense of what happened. We're trying to make sense of why whatever it is that we want is not happening right now. We're looking for answers. Sometimes we may also be trying to replay it to create a different outcome. So going through the story over and over again and trying to, you know, where we're saying different things in the conversation and we're taking our power back and we're kind of we're doing this bargaining. That's one of the stages of grief is when you feel like you've lost something, whether or not what you've lost is a person, a relationship, your dignity, your self-respect, your access to love good moments in your life. If this was someone who you had a lot of good times with, friendships, lovers, family members that you used to be close with or otherwise, you'll replay a lot of these things because you're trying to, again, make sense of it. Trying to kind of get back a little bit of those moments, maybe some of the good moments, Mm -hmm. maybe trying to replay their smile or trying to replay a joke or trying to replay a time that you felt confident in the relationship. But when you're doing it with these negative moments and these things that you feel bad about or you feel lost around or you feel embarrassment or shame or humiliation around or, you know, just it makes you feel not good enough, you're rehearsing, you're teaching your body and you're constantly rehearsing and rehashing negative emotions in your body. You're teaching your body and really reinforcing it staying in this stuck place. Our minds and our bodies are built to keep us safe and they go where we tell them to go. Our subconscious mind, our conscious mind, it is always trying to find its own state of equilibrium. It's always trying to find its own state of balance. And when you have a history of trauma and betrayal and depression and negativity, your body has learned that for it, its normal state is to be depressed, is to have that paranoia, is to not trust people, is to every time something good happens to wait for something negative to happen. So every time you replay that, every time you rehearse that, you're teaching your body that this is, you're reinforcing that this is where we always are going to be. So what happens is when good things happen to you, when good relationships happen, when good compliments and good experiences happen, your body doesn't know how to tap into, oh, this is good. Let me experience it. What actually taps into, oh, fuck, I know what this means. Let me go ahead and find all the loopholes. Let me find all the reasons why this is going to work out. Let me remember what happened before. Let me, your body is trained for this. Right. And so my encouragement to you to not replay these moments is not an effort of you to gaslight yourself and to act like these things don't exist. Remember, one thing I I really I mean, I try to teach all many things. But one thing that you've heard me say many times over the years is that two things can be true at the same time. We can exist in a spectrum. We don't have to live in black and white. We don't have to live in either. I act like everything is always perfect and Everything's okay, which leaves me open to predators and negative experiences. And I also don't have to live in paranoia and distrust and everything is bad, which might, it may feel like it's protecting me from some things, but it's also stopping me from being able to experience goodness as well. It's stopping me from being able to see and realize when I'm in a safe place because I am so focused on being in my self-protection mode. 
but we can be in the middle. We can have a little bit of balance. And so, but you have to train your body how to, how to get there. You're not going to wake up one day and all of a sudden be okay with being happy and be okay with being loved and be okay with being taken care of and provided for and be okay with, you know, the first thought that you have in the morning being something that's positive versus dread and versus, oh man, another day, what do I have to do today? Like you're going to have to train yourself how to think differently. And one way to start that is to not allow yourself to replay the greatest hits of things. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. When healing from an intimacy disorder, one of the first things you have to do right after getting clear on your patterns of addictive behaviors, avoiding behaviors, and living in deprivation is clearing out the roots that caused it, clearing out the experiences, the traumas, the narratives that have kept you stuck all of these years. In my signature coaching program, The Recovery School, you have the opportunity to reveal the sources of low self-worth, to learn about how old roles in your family have resulted in codependency, shutting down, and not letting others in, and also to learn how to talk to and connect to your inner child in a way that is soothing and healing. This is the next step to reframing the old stories that have plagued you for years to evolve to being a healed and loved woman and having access to the love and the relationships and self-worth that you've always wanted. Learn more and get started by going to therecoveryschool.com. Again, that is therecoveryschool.com. That didn't go right in your life, but to more focus on the things that you do want to be different and, uh, and what would that look like and what would that feel like in your body? Okay, ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. 
With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Which goes to the second point. Well, it's my second one. Let me see. It wasn't the second point, but I'll go ahead and put this here. One trick that I like to do sometimes whenever I may feel like I'm starting to spiral or it's really hard for me to think about what if, what it, what it would look like, what is it that I want, you know, because maybe I'm, I'm so, I'm such an expert on what I don't want and I don't have access to any current examples of what I do want. So I don't even know how to dream. I don't even know what that looks like. One front phrase that I use to kind of kick off my imagination and help me kind of go to these places is when I'm going towards, well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And what if it doesn't work out? The next question is, well, what if it did work out? What would that look like? And that sounds so simple. Like that sounds like, it sounds like that's an obvious statement, but there's just something for me. There's just been something that's just been so magical when I'm in that downward space downward spiral or something that's just so powerful and me stopping that and saying, well, what if it did work out? What would that look like? Like I can't even feel right now. I feel like a glowing in my belly. I feel like it feels warm. It starts in my belly and it goes up through my chest and it's coming up through my neck. Like to imagine I, now, I, now I feel myself smiling and now it's starting to take over. It's going up my head and through my arms and through my hands and down my legs and like, I can't help but smile. I'm trying to keep this microphone next to my mouth. <laughs> I just can't help but, like, get bigger and open. Like, it goes from being this very closed off and, you know, protective stance that I was just sitting in to now the world is open to me. My body is open and my mind is open and I'm, and I'm happy and I'm believing more. And these are the types of feelings that my body needs and that your body needs to be able to experience and know, oh, one, you don't have to live in this dark cloud or you don't have to live in this place of dread. You know, as someone who has always been very independent, I think partly because of my personality and also some childhood trauma, but as someone who's always been very independent, your girl can make a plan. Your girl is great at finding what is her goal and what is her target and making a five-step action plan on what to get, how to get there, and deadlines, and, you know, how to make that work. And I can tell you right now, the energy behind making a plan and being focused and, like, making it go and making and achieving it feels a whole lot different than the hope and the optimism that I just had. And I'm going to try to explain, explain that a little bit. So the first one, making this five- to ten-step action plan on what's going to happen feels like that feels heavier in my stomach. That feels like a weight. It feels like pressure. It feels like I got to focus and do this or else. And the or else 
or like negative core thoughts like, if I don't do this, I'm a failure or I'm not good enough or other people are depending on me or I'm going to look so silly if this doesn't work out. And I may be driven, but I'm not driven from a place of joy and happiness. And so it makes that work a lot heavier. It makes it more intense and less satisfying on the journey. So maybe once it's accomplished, it'll be like a little bit of, oh, I did it. But along the way, it's stress and, and, and strife, and I'm not able to relax because I have to get this mission accomplished. Versus if I'm considering what is it that I want and what would it look like if it did work out for me, that feels energizing. That makes me feel open. That makes me excited to work through and to go forward and to do what it is that I want. It makes me excited to get up. It makes me more open to let other people in along the way versus I'm so doggedly focused on this goal and on this task and on this thing that I want. And until this gets done, you know, I have tunnel vision and I don't really have time and space to let other people and things in. But when I'm in like, what if it all works out? That means that I can have it all. That means I can have love and I can have people and I can have this goal and and I don't have to choose. I don't have to choose and I can have me and I can be happy while I'm going through it. I can have little hiccups and trials that come that don't automatically turn on the alarm bells, the 911 alarm bells. But it's like, oh, okay, well, this happens. That's fine because, you know, Problems happen every day, but it's all going to work out because I have a belief that this is going to work out for me. Like, I hope that I'm able to communicate this. (laughs) Sometimes communicating things that are more body and emotion based, I worry that they kind of get lost in translation because these connect to literally different parts of your body and engage different parts of your brain other than the practical do this first and do this first and do this first. Like it really does require you to get grounded and feel the difference to allow the trauma and stucknesses in your body to be released. And you don't get that by thinking about it. You don't get that by rehearsing and and imagining feeling good. You actually have to feel it in your body. And to do that, you have to learn how to let some parts of your body relax and also learn how to engage the parts of your body that, that don't know how to relax and to not fight with yourself, to not shame yourself for that, to not get frustrated with yourself that this is even something that you have to do. To understand that you learning how to love your body and you learning how to get in touch with your body and learning how to take the bodily cues is part of that healing, is part of the gift that you're learning how to give to yourself. So here again, I've already started to talk about what the third point is. So the second Part of learning how to retrain your body for good is to start to imagine what if things work out for me? What if things go well? What if it all turns out the way that I want to? And to let your brain and your body and your mind go there. And for you to do that, step number three is your, or item number three, is you do need to learn how to train yourself how to be present in your body and to not run. So, you know, I remember when. I would first try to introduce these concepts when I was working with women as a therapist. So for those of you who don't know, I was a licensed therapist for 12 years and I stopped my therapy practice 
so that I can be a full-time coach here on Black Girls Heal. So through my coaching program, The Recovery School, through here on the podcast, through, you know, social media posts and some things here and there and some mini courses and programs that I have as well. That is where I focus on helping women now because I found that I could, one, reach more women and two, giving women access to direct solutions and support was helping them get better faster than the women who I had in therapy. Not because therapy wasn't effective, but it's just different. It's just different processes. And so I believe you need everything. I believe that therapy is transformative. I have my own somatic experience therapist or somatic, yeah, ex- somatic experience body worker who I work with to be in my body every week. And she's phenomenal. Y'all have heard me talk about her a jillion times because I love her to pieces. And if I did not have my coaches to give me point blank solutions and tell me their thoughts and give me direct feedback, your girl would be out here floating. Like I would be lost in the sauce and be like, well, if I can choose anything, okay, but what do I choose? Like that sometimes you just need someone to, to give it to you straight and give you direct feedback. And so that is the support that I provide to my coaching students and to my clients, which is literally what you need when you are dealing with intimacy disorders like love addiction, love addiction, (laughs) that's love addiction, (laughs) love addiction and love avoidance, love deprivation that literally turns off parts of your brain because of the trauma, because of how ingrained it is. And so you need someone to help you snap out of it or to help give an outside perspective. And especially you need it from a place where it's not, you know, not knocking folks specifically, but where it's not just homegrown knowledge, you know, where you're able to to get a combination of this is what I've seen when it comes to healing and trauma. This is what I have seen personally, what's what I've seen in my clients. This is how I know that trauma operates. And this is how I know relationships operate. This is what I'm bringing in from my degree in marriage and family therapy. And from when I used to do couples and family therapy all the time, but also this is how you practically address it. I love being able to give that to my clients. And so it's a little bit of a tangent. I just love, I just love helping people. (laughs) But bringing it back, when I would bring up mindfulness and meditation to women and to my therapy clients, there would always be some hesitation. And the hesitation wasn't that they weren't willing. You know, they, they had already made progress. They trusted me. They felt safe. They felt secure. But the hesitation was getting present and getting still in their bodies. There was so much, they didn't know it, but I knew it. There was so much anxiety around getting still. And what do I do when I'm still? Like, what do I do with that? Like, what's kind of, what's the point of it? So I get still for five minutes and then what? Like, what is that actually going to do to my life? Like, I had this problem going on. I had this problem going on. Like, can't you just tell me to do this or to do that? Can't we just actually talk about the actual solution? Like me getting present in my body, like it was hard for them to wrap their mind around how them learning how to get still was actually going to help them get out of that fight or flight response more than supposedly finding an answer to their problem. Because the way that being stuck on in trauma, like always feeling like you have to fight or always feeling like you need to numb out and run away, that's going to be your response forever. And there's always going to be a problem. So you're literally going to live your whole life always looking for a distraction or always looking for a way to escape until you learn how to get present in your body. Until you learn how to find safety right now, planted on your two feet, 
right now sitting in your chair, right now when people aren't responding to the email or when they aren't responding to the text, right now when you just got that letter in the mail, can you find stillness in your body? Can you, can you find some type of safety where you don't feel as if you need to have everything resolved before you can rest only to never actually be able to rest? So the hesitation around finding this five minutes to get present and feel your body was they weren't used to spending time just with themselves or just with themselves for that being the only reason. Like they could go and schedule a 60 minute massage. They could go and do a yoga class for 60 minutes. They could go and, you know, read a book, but to just be with themselves, to just be in their body and in that echo chamber or not being able to do something to distract themselves and get all that energy out, all that like that um, fidgeting. I don't know if any of y'all have, if you can remember, for those of you who are long-term meditation and mindfulness folks, and for those of you who may have maybe have tried but didn't really work out, but just remember how fidgety it is or was when you first started, how hard it was for you to even get to three minutes and be like, okay, what time is it now? Damn, like only... It's barely been two and a half minutes. I thought I was sitting here for 10. Like, it's just really, really hard for you to be there. And that's the impact of, that's all of your stored stuff. That is, that is how deeply intertwined your body is with saying, okay, if we stop, something's going to happen. If I slow down, some, like, there's going to be a phone call. There's five other things I could be doing right now. Someone needs me. I feel guilty for being by myself. Like that is all your trauma converging into one moment. And part of you reclaiming your body and learning how to experience good is to learn how to be present. And so, you know, the main point that I wanted to share here was not just training your body to be present, but training your body. Once you learn how to do that, then you can train your body how to let yourself feel good and learn how to feel the happiness and feel the pleasure. You know, me being able to tell y'all what it felt like in my body when I said, well, what if it all works out? I could never have told y'all that several years ago. That would have been a completely foreign concept to me. I could tell you what I was thinking and I could talk about, well, that thought makes me very happy, but actually feeling it in my body, feeling it radiate and feeling my body get warm and feeling myself glow and noticing the smile and noticing myself expand and like letting it like literally go through my fingertips that, that I didn't have access to that. And so all of that really takes time and it, and it is, and all of that is part of you learning how to receive learning you how to sit back and receive compliments, learning how to receive giftings, learning how to receive help, learning how to receive peace, learning how to receive rest, and letting that be part of your everyday normal and not feeling like you have to constantly be doing, 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 instead of just being there and experiencing. So hopefully that made sense. You know, I was talking with some of my recovery school students or I made a post in our community because I was like, this body work stuff, is where I know most people get to, you know, after we figure out what to do in your relationships and what it is that you need and what is it that you want and you start to make these changes, the next level that I notice most of my students are in is really getting deeper and being connected to their body. You know, we've already, we start that process as part of the program and part of the things that they learn, but 
it really is learning how to bring that into your everyday life. And so I made a post. And so for those of y'all who are students who are listening, if you want to join in on that post, I really appreciate it. But I made a post saying the bodywork stuff, I know we already have like a mini course for it that's a part of the program, but how can I support y'all in your everyday life? Because this takes practice. This takes like a reminder to do this a few times a day and also to be able to have words for what it is that you're experiencing. Like, why am I feeling this in my body right now? What does this mean? And this is what came up for me. I didn't feel better at the end of it. So what's the point of this? And like doing all the troubleshooting stuff, you know? And one of my students responded and talked about her best ways to work through her body work and, you know, what she feels is safer in person and what's safer online. And all that was really helpful. But I just know that this body work aspect is so important. It's so vital. It's it's just as important as all the other skills and things that you also have to learn because just because you feel safer in your body, that doesn't mean that you know how to talk to people. It doesn't mean that you know how to choose people in a different way. It doesn't mean that you know how to express what it is that you need and learn how to receive. It doesn't mean that you know how to date in a different way and to change your expectations. And also you don't know how to connect with your partner as someone who is healed from love addiction and love avoidance. Like there are still skills that you have to learn, which is where the coaching and the support comes in at. But if I can find a way to incorporate this body work for y'all too, like that would be like chef's kiss. And so it's just, I want to try to do that more. And I'm, I'm trying to share that more here on the podcast. And I absolutely want to do it more for the women who are within my coaching container, whether or not it's alumni or new students. I really want y'all to be able to feel and have accountability and have support around being connecting to these parts of yourself in your everyday life. So I'm just trying to figure out the right way to to do that for y'all, if that's even something that I can do. Maybe it is that when it comes to body work, it's best for this to be an in-person thing. So, you know, we're having our social this weekend in Houston for on Juneteenth weekend. So we're all getting together then and we're going to have a healing circle at the end of the month here in Houston. And I think the topic is going to be learning how to move past disappointment. So I'll be teaching a mini workshop and we'll be having a healing circle facilitation. I'll be facilitating a healing circle here in Houston. And I emailed it out to our mailing list. And so I said, let me know what cities that if I were going to do a meetup or a healing circle outside of Houston, what cities would you want me to come to? And so thank you to all the ladies who responded to that. I did get all of your emails. I haven't responded to all of them, but I did get them. And so thank you for that. So maybe it does look like I come and I support doing healing circles or doing some body work stuff in person. I don't know. You know, there or just really talking about this so much to where y'all continue to look for your own body workers in your cities of choice. I know that this space doesn't really have a lot of diversity and they're doing a lot to try to change that. A lot of the training programs that I am connected to, I'm seeing a lot more black and brown faces, which is great, but there's still not as much inclusion when it comes to that area. So I know that sometimes that can be a hurdle for folks. And so I don't know. These are just things that I'm brainstorming. And so 
I will continue to brainstorm again, my recovery school students, if you want to share with me in our community what your thoughts are. If you're not a recovery school student, but you're like thinking this would be great, I would love support and body work in this way, feel free to email me and you know my team will get it and they'll get it to me. But let me know what is it that you would like to see, what support around being present in your body would be helpful for you. Maybe that might give me some ideas of what can come next. But in the meantime, the recovery school is where I support you in all of these places. And like I said, there's a mini course. One of our bonus courses are directly connected to body work. And then we talk about other skills and things that are related to getting present in your body. And then all of the trauma and healing and recovery work and learning how to be present in relationships and learning how to self-soothe and learning how to move forward and learning how to connect to people through your love addiction and through your love avoidance to become love balanced and love available and connect to you nourishing yourself with love. That is what the program is all about. And so you can learn more about that and to join us by going to therecoveryschool.com. And yeah, that's what I got for y'all today. I hope that you enjoyed it. And thank you so much for being such a great community and such a great audience and really allowing me to come into these different corners of your life and share some support. And like always, take what you need, take the little parts that you need and whatever doesn't apply, just leave it and trust your intuition and trust your own internal guidance. That's it for today. I'm sending you all so much love. And as always, take care of yourself. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.